With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Thursday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird. Stephen Means not here. He's getting ready for the Basketball Buckeyes in the Big Ten Tournament. So Nathan and I are going to have a journalism panel discussion. We hope you think that's interesting. Listen, th- th- this is, uh, we wanted to talk about this. We had our tech subscribers, Nathan, who were sort of a couple of them were saying, hey, what do you think of this? What do you hear about it? There's this high school coach in Georgia who used to coach in Alabama who was recorded by someone who was having a conversation with him. It's not clear. I, I don't. I don't think the coach knew he was being recorded. And in this conversation, he is saying how Alabama and Georgia, Nick Saban at Alabama and Kirby Smart at Georgia, go about paying recruits. There's no verification. There's no corroboration. It's out there. It is out there in the aggregator world. I still don't have a firm grasp of exactly like how it got out. That I think he was he was having this conversation with somebody like, it wasn't a journalist. It was like somebody I think that in the football world kind of that he knew and it got recorded and it got posted. And I know the big lead did a thing about it, just sort of saying, hey, here's what's on the recording. couple other sites. I have not seen like a like a big like media outlet that like does reporting do anything with this yet. So I think that's interesting. But we have we and so we use this sort of at your suggestion, Nathan to ask our tech subscribers kind of like their thoughts on recruiting and cheating in college football. And we're not going to get into specifics of who does and who doesn't. And we're actually not going to get into facts because I'm not going to pretend I have a lot of facts on this, but I'm interested in the perception of what the average college fan, the average Ohio state fan, what's like in the back of your head about how things operate or maybe in the front of your head and how does it affect your view of college football. And I have some thoughts on that, but Nathan, I think it's worthwhile spending like an hour on a podcast talking about the topic, but we can't pretend to delve into the specifics here. So we have to do this instead, right? This is always hovering behind the scenes in college sports. It just always is, whether it's something that someone is publicly saying about a specific program or not, every fan base 
and actually Ohio State might be one of the exceptions for football because they just exist at such a, a high plane. But we can come back to that later, whether or not that's uh, a foolish thing for Ohio State fans to think. But from covering smaller Big Ten programs, I know that this was a thing that's always on on fan bases' minds that like, well, so-and-so program gets players because they cheat or because they pay, whether that's football, basketball, whatever. So it's always a thing that's lurking in the background. And I do think that because of that, it's worthwhile to have a, a discussion about the concept without necessarily slinging accusations towards any specific program. So let me ask you this. As someone who covered a smaller program in the Big Ten previously, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, do other schools in the Big Ten think Ohio State cheats? So I didn't cover – I covered one season of football as the beat writer, so my – I don't have as good a perspective on that. But I, I, my impression is that I don't think people think of Ohio State that way. Um, I think they think – now, I know that Purdue basketball fans thought that way of other Big Ten basketball programs. But when it comes to football, I don't, I don't think it is – that, that mindset was quite as prevalent. Now – Kind of the thing that I was I was referencing before, though, we're only one generation removed from when there was some dirty stuff going on at Ohio State, right? Like less than a generation. You don't have to go that far in the past to find major NCAA violations tied not necessarily to recruiting, but to payments and things that were happening to players in a broader sense. So I think that still stains the way people look at Ohio State broadly in the Big Ten. That that was two coaches ago. And in, in several years ago at this point, obviously, but that still does follow, I think, Ohio State a little bit that people think that this is a place where that could happen. So and I, I don't want to parse too much like recruiting because like there's like paying recruits to come to your school. Right. And there's also the, hey, this is how we do business at our school. If you come here, you'll get stuff, which Under is more like paying players but it helps in recruiting. Like, Hey, we give you fake jobs. Hey, we'll set your, right. you know, so that's what I really mean. Like, are you, are you handing out money to the, either to get them here or once they're here? And as you said, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, well, do people think Ohio state cheats? Well, Ohio state has some stuff right here in its recent past, you know, Maurice Claret alleged things, the NCAA investigated Maurice Claret would not talk to the NCAA. So Ohio state never had violations tied specifically to Maurice Claret, but they found a Troy Smith payment along the way, 500 bucks, I think, for a cell phone payment that led to Troy Smith having a little bit of, of an issue, right? Um, and then, you know, the Tattoo Gate stuff, in, in that, that that's not the school paying, right? That was an, a, a, an outside thing. But there was stuff that came up in the course of that, of like, was there stuff that was happening that, and again, it might not be, I mean, it's not like coaches taking money out of their own pocket. It's like our coaches aware or involved in setting up a system with boosters where things are arranged, right? And there was some of that that popped up here and there during the tattoo gate stuff that, that again, or, or not looking a, the other way, right? It doesn't have well, to be setting it up necessarily, but. And which is, I don't know if that's a distinction without a difference, right? I right, mean, like, right. what's the difference between doing it and knowing it probably happens and being like, I don't want to know about it, but boy, these great players keep showing up and they sure seem to be happy to be here. Here's the thing that, that, so, but we're not, so there's some stuff. I mean, no high state fan listening to this. I mean, like you can't be mad at it. It's, it's, it's true. Now it's also true comparatively the way the Jim Trestle situation tattoo gate was covered and perhaps the way people were punished in hindsight. And maybe some people thought it at the time, 
comparatively maybe was overly harsh, right? That you can't deny that something was happening, but was too big of a deal made of it compared to maybe what else goes on out there that either was found out and penalized or is never found out and not penalized. And Ohio State got pinched on this. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? Look what's going on over here. And nothing ever happens to them, which is, I think, where a lot of Ohio State fans land on this stuff, which is like, we're not going to pretend that Ohio State doesn't do stuff wrong sometimes. But come on, there hasn't been a major thing at these SEC programs while Ohio State's like literally had three things. Now, the Zach Smith thing isn't recruiting related. But it's like Maurice Claret, Terrell Pryor, Zach Smith. That's three kind of big things for Ohio State in the past two decades. And you're telling me, like, there's nothing at Georgia. There's nothing in Alabama. There's nothing at LSU. There's nothing anywhere else. It only is here. That I get from Ohio State. But that's what, I'm not particularly interested in that. Because we know that feeling exists among Ohio State fans. And I think there is whatever. Some degree of reasonableness in feeling some degree of that. Right? doesn't excuse your behavior, but I'll tell you. So we want to talk. We want to talk about how fans feel about this, but we're also going to talk about how we feel about it as journalists because we're journalists and we're not fans. So we're going to, you know, it's a little bit of an inside baseball thing on being a sports writer. The thing that I, I hate the most. Well, I don't mean to be declarative. One of the things that frustrates me with this topic and this idea, Nathan, is the, And I'm sure you've heard it from coaches. I've heard it from coaches occasionally along the way in both sports. And we are talking about football. I think basketball is probably swampier than football. And I think like Sean Miller at Arizona is a guy that people have talked about for a long time. Sean Miller's finally has some notice of allegations against Arizona for doing stuff. All the stuff with the, the Nike and all that investigation stuff that like seemed like a huge deal. And then is it still a big deal? I can't tell. Anyway, I do think basketball is kind of worse than football, probably. So some of what I hear, I'm going to throw in some basketball discussion and football discussion together. What I don't like, Nathan, is we didn't get this recruit because the other school cheated, but we don't cheat. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is like it even might be true. But I often I do think coaches can fall back on, well, we didn't get that guy because we wouldn't cheat. But whenever we get a guy, we don't cheat. And then another school who lost a recruit to school A says, well, we lost that recruit to school A because they cheated, but we didn't cheat. And then school C says we lost a recruit. You know what I mean? Like you never do it. But the only but whenever you don't get a recruit, it's because somebody else did it. And I think that's probably partly true, but it's also partly bullcrap to me right like how do you parse that you do yeah and i think when i was to use my example when i was covering purdue basketball which i think is generally considered a program that is is pretty clean uh they had like one thing back when when i was a toddler gene katie somebody assistant coach gave a kid a ride to the airport or something like that and that was a violation but like it it didn't matter to me what purdue's coaches were saying they were obviously going to say well so and so you know what those guys are doing not that they really through through mud themselves but like it meant more to me when i would go talk to like au coaches and high school coaches and they would say i literally had this happen one time like out of the blue i was talking about a kid and they said um oh you know what the best thing is here is that purdue might have a chance to get this kid because it's going to be a clean recruitment like this kid's parents are not going to go down and play in the dirt they want this to be above board so purdue might actually have a chance to get this kid they didn't by the way he went to another school that 
people suspected was kind of filthy or at least had some dirt on them. But to, to me, what a coach says isn't important. And, and fans also, it's, it's a bit of a skewed perspective. I think you have to go down to that next level of the people who are actually behind the scenes, the ones who are actually involved in these players' lives. And that's where you get the real information about what could be going on, which is what is so interesting about this Georgia-Alabama situation now that you are talking about those guys who are down in it a little bit, the guys who are working at this at the surface level um, or below surface level, right? I mean, the guys who are actually behind the scenes that really involved in the, the, the the nitty gritty of, of this recruiting stuff. It's a guy who was the Valdosta Georgia booster club president. And then this guy who was a longtime high school coach, like those are the guys who I think would, would have the most honest perspective about this. So this rush, Propst, Propst, I'm, I actually don't know exactly what his last name is, but he was the coach at Hoover High in Alabama, which like there was a TV show about for a while. So he got kind of famous on that. And like reading this guy's background is kind of nuts. I think he had like a secret family and like they found out about that. And that was like a thing. And he's been accused of like sort of like doing stuff to get players to his high school and like bending rules or breaking rules or using money to do things. So it's one of those things. Does that eliminate him as a trustworthy source? Or is it like, hey, this guy's down in the muck. Believe what he says because he's in it. And that happens all the time. It's like, who really knows what goes on? The people who are involved with it. So on one hand, it's like, well, do you trust this guy? It's like, well, I, I don't know that I'd trust this guy with anything. But on the other hand, he sure seems like he'd be in a position to know. So, that, but Nathan, that's hard when you're reporting on it because what's happening right now is, and and we're a podcast, we aren't reporting squat on this, and we're talking about it. So we're part of the problem if you think it's a problem. And some of the, you know, some people are like, I wish, I wish journalists would just report the news and not make the news. And it's like, well, journalists didn't make this news. It was somebody put the sound on the internet. And then people started aggregating it and nobody has confirmed if it's actually him. Nobody knows if the, if the audio was spliced in a certain way to make it, you know, but also how do you find out? Cause now if you go to this guy and say, Hey, by the way, on the record, is this true? Is he's like, going to tell you, right? I mean, he's like, Holy crap, Nick Saban and Kirby smart are going to kill me. So he's not going to tell you for real. So Nathan, this is the part of that, that I think enters this for a journalist. And then we have a poll question about how fans feel about it. It's very hard to prove anything. And then as a journalist, it's like, well, I'm not going to write about it if I don't know if it's true. So the end result is you ignore it. Or you let it exist in this weird smoke-filled back room of recruiting where it's like everybody acts like they know everything, but nobody actually reports anything. And I hate that. I hate like, oh, everybody cheats. I mean, everybody knows everybody cheats. It's like, oh, everybody knows it. Have you ever written anything about it? Have you ever done anything? Oh, I mean, it's just the way it is. I was like, I hate that. But I don't know. I don't know how to get out of it. And we, right this very moment, are feeding it. We're talking about an allegation against two of the top five programs in college football based on a secret recording that happens to be on the internet. But I don't know. I've done this for 16 years in college football and 25 years as a sports writer. At this point, I do not know a better way for people like us, right? That we're at, a, we're at a journalism outfit. We're not in an aggregator recruiting world's only place, right? 
I don't know what I don't know how to do it any differently. And, and I feel like for this, what's our choice, Nathan? Our texters are asking about it. It certainly has some effect on Ohio State. It's out in the world. So do we ignore it? Do we talk about it? I would love to report on it, but I, a, I don't know that we have the time, the resources, and I don't know how it ever would lead to anything. It's not our beat. And I, would, I do want to talk about what if this guy was an Ohio high school coach talking about Ohio State? What would we be doing right now? But in general, I do think that leads to the secrecy because it's hard for journalists to dig into it. And the result is you ignore it. Something you mentioned before about how you feel like people might feel like the the tattoo gate stuff some of those things that happened to Ohio State got slammed whereas other people get away with things this is what this is where the problem becomes um, and this is not just true in college athletics it's probably true in every walk of life every everything that has to do with the justice system sometimes you can prove this thing over here that seems minor but has has repercussions that go along with it, like statutory things. And this is what the punishment has to be. And then there's like huge thing that may have happened over here. And people seem to really think it happened, but nobody can prove it. And so these people kind of get away with it. I think that's something that fans really struggle with. And in a lot of times, this kind of thing, this thing that we're talking about today with the, with the George Alabama stuff, this happens in hearsay. It, ha- it just floats around. You hear stories like this all the time. But there's never a recording. There's never like a candid recording. And that's the other thing about this guy. Yes, his credibility is compromised and problematic in a lot of ways. But the fact that it was candid, the fact that he wasn't voluntarily putting this out and like, so does that make it more or less credible? Did he that he didn't know he was being like that he was kind of caught in an honest moment or was he completely BSing behind the scenes and nothing should be taken seriously? I, there, that's where a lot of this, the problems are is like there's very rarely proof of these things so that's what is the most difficult thing as a journalist i i know from having done college sports now for several years like i've heard stories about recruitments um not since i came to ohio state really but like in the past where it's like they people will give you a whole narrative of this person talked to this person and they paid off this person and gave this person a job they have the whole narrative like and it's just like a thing that's sort of known Maybe it's a telephone game kind of thing that builds and, and, and who knows, but like that whole narrative is played out, like you said, but it never actually gets reported. It never actually right. gets put out there with somebody's name on it because it can't be proven to, to the journalistic standard. And I think that's where, especially now that you start introducing things like social media or just in this new age that we live in compared to like when you and I were first getting started with us, where now anybody can just post something and it's widely heard and read and seen fans i think are even more now frustrated because those accusations get amplified even more than ever before and they're no easier to prove if this was a recording of a coach wherever he was saying this about ohio state what would we be doing right now at cleveland.com and and there has been and to go back to something you said earlier on there have been some other like credible news outlets and i hate saying the word credible but like legacy news outlets that have done some reporting Athens banner Herald uh, Atlanta journal constitution. These people have reached out to some of the people who were mentioned in this recording and to get it directly from them. And I think we would do the same thing. Like there was a guy, um, um, Hugh Nall, who was a Georgia player in the late seventies, who was a guy who was specifically mentioned as helping facilitate the payments on this recording. They called him and said, well, what do you think? Like what's, what's going on here? You were mentioned here and give them their chance now. So I think we would do the same thing. I think we would, as much as we could try to reach out directly to those sources, but um, 
again, I think it's it's difficult. We, we we live in an age and we struggle with this, I think, all the time. Struggle is not maybe the right word, but we consider this all the time. Accusation is out there. A rumor is out there. At what point is it worthy of us writing about it and giving it more credibility? It's kind of thing you were just talking about, right? As, as what we're doing on this podcast almost. Like, at what point do we give it more life by writing about it? This is, I mean, this has come up. Ohio State's had stuff, as we said. I, I believe strongly in the idea of that we are our audience's guide through this. And the internet is a wild and woolly place. And when you're walking through the woods of the internet, listen, if you're our reader, you're in the woods. You care about Ohio State football and you don't only read and listen to us. You're out in the woods. So if you come up to a path and there's three ways to go, and one of them, if you go down this path, you might get eaten by a bear. And if you go down this path, you might fall in a lake and drown. And if you go down this path, you'll be okay. As Cleveland.com, just because we don't know everything and we can't prove things, I do feel like it's our responsibility to go into the woods with you and say, well, at least go down this path. I don't know for sure that there's a bear down there, but let me tell you, some people have reported there's a bear down there. And let me give you some context of what bears do. They eat people. Down here, I don't know that you're going to drown for sure, but there is a river and people have been talking about it. And so go this way. That I do think is our responsibility in the modern journalism age. And I do think it's okay. It's like, well, you're amplifying it. Well, you're amplifying the bear rumor. It's like, okay, well, the bear rumors out there and I don't want you to get eaten. And I, and, and I think you've heard it, or it might be worse if you haven't heard it. So I do think that's our role. So we would be writing and talking about this. We would also be trying to report on it at the moment. A lot of times the loudest amplifiers don't report. They only amplify as recording There's a recording. That's what I read. I read the thing that there was no reporting and I read stuff that's like, hey, here's this thing. And then in their story, quote story, it says, well, everybody, everybody cheats. Everybody knows that. And like, that's their post. Here's a recording. Everybody cheats. Thanks for the click. And that is not very satisfying. I don't want to be in that business. And we're not in that business. But here's the recording. Here's what it means. Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. Here's the people involved. Here's the reporting we've done. Here's the reporting we'll try to do. Keep Keep coming back. We'll try to give you more information. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore it. And I, but I wasn't even aware. You're talking about the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the Athens Banner Herald are doing stuff. I didn't know that. I knew the aggregators posted the raw sound. But like I'm a, dinged, I'm, a, I'm a consumer of this, and I consumed it poorly. But that's what I think we would be doing. But I guarantee you this. There are other outlets that would not touch it, right? There are outlets that if you cover a team and something like this comes along, you, you don't touch it. And that's just the business model. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's true. But that's what happens sometimes. It's like when stuff happens, it's like, well, okay, there's, there's 10 outlets that cover Ohio State, but there's only four that are going to touch this. And we'd be one of the four that would touch it, but it wouldn't be easy. And I want to, as much as I was complaining about like social media and advancements and, and how that's changed this a little bit and made it messier, the way that we now report on this is actually helped by technology and it's the text not to plug that, but maybe I should 
because when when this has come up, not in a not in a controversial way, not in a, a recruiting scandal kind of way, but just in the last few months, there have been a number of things, whether it was stuff with the Big Ten and the COVID stuff, um, more Ohio State specific stuff. Somebody will report something or a rumor will get out there. I get best was around the bowl game. When we were hearing about, hey, who's playing, who's not like or the playoff, I should say, not the bowl game, who, you know, who, who's playing, who's not. And those and there were a lot of just names getting trickled out there. And so we use the text as a way of saying, hey, we are aware that this is out there. Here's what we know, but we're not putting our name behind it. But we're trying to help you determine what's credible and what's not. Um I think there, we learned a lot from doing that this, this past year. I think we'll do it better in the future, but that's an, an avenue that we have for that. So that's actually the first place that we would report on something like this too, would be kind of walking people through that, walking our tech subscribers through that, because I feel like we can have a, a more conversational approach with people that way than having to put a report out there that somebody else picks up. So we don't want to make this only about us and the journalism discussion. We want to have what I'm going to call the chump discussion. And I asked the question uh, of texters about this. And I feel this. I do feel this because I think it's, it applies sort of to anybody who cares about college sports. And the question is, do you ever feel like a chump as a college football fan, wondering if there's this entire underground market pace, marketplace of paying players operating behind the scenes and completely determining the best teams in the country. And we see smoke, but are mostly oblivious, right? Like I feel that as a reporter sometimes, but I don't, I want to talk about it for as a fan as well. My, my choices were yes, for sure. I feel that kind of, I feel that and no, never. And it's evenly split. It's a three-way split. Kind of got 37%. Yes, for sure, got 34%. No, never got 28%. And I will tell you early on, it's 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 funny. I don't know if this means something. It's like the like the hardcore consumers versus like early on, it was over 50% in the voting that said, yes, I do feel like a chump. Now it's down to 34%. So so I don't I don't know what that means. Maybe it's just coincidental. I think my answer for this as a fan would be yes. And then I have a, how I would, as a fan would rectify that. But I, when I do think about it, Nathan, I, I don't know how you can't feel like that. I get the kind of, and I do think the no, never is just to block it out, which I am. Again, we'll talk about that. I'm down with, but what do you think sort of of that? Again, 37% kind of 34%. Yes, for sure. 28% no, never. So that's 72% of the people who are at least feeling that to some degree, like about the thing they love, that you have to feel like at least like kind of a chump about the thing you love because of this underlying thing. And I find that I'm sad about that, that the thing you love, and, and I wish we get paid for this, Nathan. I wish I could do something to help people not feel that, but I don't know what it is. What do you think of the chump discussion? Yeah, I think that that is unfortunate when you look at it that way, that people who dedicate so much of their 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 time and their passions to something still might feel at the end of the day that it's a little bit corrupt uh, or suspect either suspect it or believe it. And uh, but I think that's kind of sports. I mean, I don't know what sport that doesn't apply to. It, it doesn't right? apply in this way. It doesn't apply to any pro sport in the same way. Not at all. How would it apply the same? 
You're allowed to pay players. You're allowed to, now. It's like, oh, you tampered. The it, NBA well, tampered. in terms of that. But no, but I mean, okay, but like if you're a you're a you're a baseball fan and you see like what happened with the Astros, or you are a football fan and you worry about steroids and concussions, like I feel like there's always something in sports that is okay. is hang, is hanging back in the background where you think somebody's getting away with something, somebody's I, bending a rule. Some- I would argue, I think the Astros thing, the Astros thing is a good example, but that came out of the blue, and I thought I felt people with the Astros thing were like, what? Right. Like now steroids. Yes. Steroids swings competitive balance, but also like the steroids error, like tore baseball apart. Right. And they tried to sort of do something about it. And like people who did it can't get in the Hall of Fame. Like that's not where college sports is with with this stuff. Right. And the concussions and the health and welfare of everybody. That's also an underlying thing. There are underlying things. There are underlying things. This is a direct issue of competitive balance. Right that I do think is murkier than, uh, than any examples in pro sports. But, but you are making good points. I think, I think steroids is a good point there, and I do think the Astros cheating – but I think people were outraged about the Astros cheating scandal. Now, baseball didn't handle it right. I think they should have had their World Series taken away. And I think that, I think the punishments were not as strong as they should have been. I know the, the managers involved were lost for a year and stuff. But I think the outrage there – was was pretty high. I'm not sure the punishment was high, but I don't know that that percolates and affects the competitive balance of any pro sport to the same degree that this percolates in college sports. But again, in that scenario, in many of the things with steroids and obviously with concussion research, like there's proof there's it's 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 right there. It's black and white right in front of you. And with a lot of these things that we talk about in recruiting, it's all very under the table. It's all very backroom stuff. It's very murky. So it, while it hangs in the background of the sport in general, I feel like the, the times where it comes up and really bites a major program where it would get huge publicity and take down a major program is really rare. And are those days not only rare, but are they over? Right. That's what we'll ask next. As we continue this discussion, we're going to get into more texter answers, get more about fans, more about you guys, less about us next on Buckeye Talk. So my, and I said this to texters, Nathan, just in a text I sent to 614-350-3315. I didn't send it there, but you can send a text there to sign up 14-day free trial, 614-350-3315. I said, if I were a fan, I would put blinders on to this stuff because I don't know what the point is to worry about it. And I get it. If you want to be like, aha, my competitors cheating. I hope those guys get it. I hope someone sticks it to them, but we don't cheat. We're cool. Like you can't do anything about it as a fan. And it's so, I mean, it's so out there. I was going to say pervasive, but do we know it's pervasive? Like you think it's pervasive, but is it? I also think perhaps this kind of thing can be exaggerated, Mm -hmm. right? That, that it's so talked about, but so rarely proven Maybe it's not as prevalent as we think. And there's probably a coach listening, sitting, listening to this being like, yeah, you know, again, here I go. I'm adding to the, the smoke. I would ignore it. I would enjoy my Saturdays. I would enjoy Buckeye talk. I would enjoy ranking who are the 10 best players. I would enjoy talking recruiting strategy. I, I don't think there is any reason for fans to get caught up in this because part of it is I don't know. Like one of those things like, okay, what's corrupt? Well, okay, politics are corrupt. Well, that matters, right? I mean, that's people's lives, right? 
I think you can ignore this because part of it, Nathan, is I, like, what is the greater harm here? What is the harm to society? What is the harm to the greater good that this does exist? Okay, if, if school A cheats more than school B, that hurts school B. Coaches might get fired. Schools might not win as many games. I get that. But but like compared to so many other things, like is it I, I almost think it's OK to ignore. There's a lot of things in the world that we all ignore that we should do something about. We should all do more to help our fellow man. I think it's OK to ignore this. And I'm not, I'm not, not trying to act like like if you feel like a chump, my, my thing as a fan would be like. I would have voted, yes, I feel like a chump. But if the reason people said, no, I don't feel like a chump is because I never think about it. Does it exist? I don't know. I don't care. I hope my team wins on Saturday. I'm going to buy a jersey. That's I love it. Think that way. I think that's I think that's a totally great way to think, Nathan. Well, worry about what you can control. There's there's not a lot you can do as a fan, really. To to I don't know what worrying gets you. And also, I mean, let's not forget, like you know, if you think Ohio State is clean, they're still getting to the playoff. They're still getting in the national championship game. If these allegations against Georgia are true, you know how many national championships Georgia's won recently? None. Like I don't. It, it's not necessarily something that is going to decide whether your team is good and whether another team wins. Mm. Let's let's talk about that. Now, the, the other thing, and, and, and I think this is true as I perceive things. I think often at an established program, which is why the Saban stuff confuses me a little bit. I think often it may be the case when a new coach starts, he breaks rules to get ahead. Because if you don't win right away, you're going to get fired. And like in the process of like turning your program around, you might cut some corners. You might outright break some rules. You might do whatever you got to do to get the player you think that's going to get you over the top. And then once you do that and you get established a little bit and now you're winning and now in recruiting, you're choosing a little more. You can we well, we're going to get a good player. Are we going to get good player A, B or C? Well, good player A, there's a lot of smoke there around him. Good player B, there's a medium amount of smoke. And good player C, it's pretty clean recruitment. Then you take player C, right? So I do think that's true. I don't have a ton of proof of it, but like the allegations that Maurice Claret made, right? Like, okay, that was Trestle early. Then Trestle got established the allegations and the things that sort of popped up with Terrell Pryor and like the idea of what did Trestle know and not know that was a little bit at a breaking point for the program of like, okay, well they had lost the two national title games in 06 and 07. Do they need to get over the top, whatever? Like, but I think there is a way that if you're good and you're rolling, maybe you don't need to do it that much. Cause it's not like ever, I don't think every single recruitment of every single top 100 player is dirty. Some of them are, but maybe if you're good, you can get out of the business of dealing with those, right? So, like, do, do you think that – And but, like, okay. But then, like, when Ole Miss all of a sudden started getting guys in recruiting out of nowhere, and it was like, what's happening there? And I think every college football fan would be like, well, we know what's happening there, right? So that is a little crazy. So that – but I so, – so those peaks of, like, out of nowhere – but if Kirby Smart going to George is like, listen, man, what am I doing? I mean, we haven't won anything since Herschel Walker. We should be better. Our recruiting in Georgia sucks. 
right? If a coach like that is cutting corners till he gets to a point and then maybe he backs off that I think might be is how it works at a decent number of places, Nathan. And that's actually the context in which I've heard this the most in recent years. It was more so in basketball, again, as we were saying before, but like you would hear, you would see a school. So a lot of times it was a school down South. All of a sudden they start getting like these top 100 guys and then, and, and, you know, five-star level guys. And people would be like, dude, like you can't be that obvious about it. Like you've got, you've got to back into this a little bit more subtly than you're doing this right now. And then lo and behold, like a couple of years down the line, NCAA violations under investigation, the coaches out the door like that happened multiple times. So I think you're right. I think that that is sometimes that people do it just to kind of like grease the wheels a little bit. But then I think it, it, I, I don't know, it would be difficult for me as a coach, because then I feel like aren't you always just looking over your shoulder for when something like this happens a recording like this comes out or just compliance finds out about it or another school turns you in. Like, I think you're always having to be looking over your shoulder like that. And I don't know, is it really worth it? But if you get fired for losing, I mean like, okay, so you're going to get taken down. Maybe they get it taken down because I lose or I get taken down because I cheated. But like, if I cheat and get away with it and win and then get build my program, then I can stop cheating it. I, that's the best way to survive. Right. I mean, like you, there's no debate. Here's the thing. If you cheat, you might lose your job. If you lose, you will lose your job, right? Is that not a truism of college coaching? That is true. But if you cheat and get caught, you get fired and don't get your get paid. If you lose and get fired, you get paid. So that's another part of the equation. People aren't in the business to get fired without cause and get their money. It's quite a perk. It is quite a perk of the coaching business that frankly, I think is a little nuts. And I would love to see the day when that changes. If you suck, why do I have to keep paying you when you sucked at your job? That's crazy to me. the, The contracts are too long. The whole business is, is on its head, but that's not why they do it. They want to win. They want to be famous. They want to be great. They want people to think they're awesome at their job. They want to establish things. So, I mean, I think there's, it's not only that, I understand what you're saying, and that is a point. But listen, man, that's it's their dream to be a head coach, and it's their dream to be a successful head coach. So, okay, let's get into some of these texture survey things. See what we think here. Generally, how much cheating goes on in college football recruiting? My choices were a ton. Every team does it, and every successful team does it pretty regularly. Some, with a few teams breaking major rules and many teams breaking minor rules, A little. There's a lot of talk, but I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be. Nathan, clearly the middle choice won, as it always does. What what do you think it got? What do you think the choice of some got among our tech subscribers? What percent? I I think it should be a it would be the strong answer. I'm thinking like 74 percent. Very good. 72 percent. And then as we talk about always, which end, right, which extreme one, which extreme one that there's a ton or there's a little. Oh, I think you're eh, – well, that's a good question. You're saying a little versus none, right? Um, A little. There's a lot of talk, but I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be. You can't say none. I mean, we have proof that it's not zero. Right. So I would say – I would still say A. I would still say A a lot probably got more than a little. It did. 18% said a ton. 10% said a little. So, yeah, almost double for a ton. I mean, that's like people thinking like, man, it's out there. What are you going to do? It's out there. It's everywhere. You have to cheat to win that, that I think is a great, that thing too. Like, do you have to cheat to win? And, and as I'm telling you, man, this place, 
It's on the list. King of the North is on the list. We'll get to it. I think we might get to it for the preseason, maybe this summer. The lens of Ohio State in which to view college football. This is the only school, not in the heart of the South, that does this, that wins at this level. So so that leads to the implication in situations like this. Well, everybody in the South cheats. That's what everybody in the North thinks, right? That the SEC is a cesspool. I don't know if the SEC itself thinks it's a cesspool or if the SEC just thinks like they're having a good time and who cares, have a drink. Here's a bag with, here's a McDonald's bag with money in it. that Dan Patrick said Tennessee does. Hey, everybody's having a good time. We're winning games, SEC, SEC. I don't know that there, I don't know. Maybe there is self-reflection and people are saying, listen, football's so important. It's important to the community. It's important to the to society, to the social fabric of this part of the country. We've got to do whatever we've got to do. And if no one's going to catch us and no one's going to penalize it, we're going to keep doing it. That's not on us. There's no enforcement. The NCAA is a, is a fraud. Journalism has been gutted. Nobody's digging into stuff. We're going to do what we're going to do. If you think it's a real problem, then catch us. I don't know what the SEC is actually like, but Nathan, Ohio State's the one school it recruits like the SEC that's not in the SEC. And I'll lump Clemson in there because Clemson, to its credit, wasn't winning with recruiting. It started winning in other ways. So it wasn't like Dabo Sweeney got there and all of a sudden they had top two recruiting classes out of nowhere. They started winning with what they had and then they started recruiting better and it made sense. So I don't know about Clemson, but right, doesn't this make Ohio State, which why I think this makes this more complicated for Ohio State fans. Because like, you know, who doesn't think that they cheat all that much in recruiting? Purdue football, Michigan State football. You're taking three stars and doing great things with them. You're not cheating that much to get that. What do you do? I mean, who who are you cheating for? You didn't get anybody. You haven't recruited anybody worth cheating for. Ohio State recruits at that level, but you think they don't do it the same way. It makes it a fascinating discussion, which is why I don't know if people are listening to this with a knot in their stomach and they don't want to think about it. You're allowed to turn it off. I, I don't want Buckeye talk to give you stress. Or if they think it's super interesting, but Nathan, it's a ra- it's a unique lens here at Ohio State. Yeah, and again, I don't think that I've even seen it on. I think I was seeing. Um, well, I won't I won't quote it without knowing for sure. I'll look it up. But like, I, I don't think people look at Clemson the same way, right? And I don't think people. And like I was saying around the Big Ten, I don't know that people look at Ohio State the same way that they look at SEC schools with this kind of um, that they're kind of smeared with this suspicion. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think that, but it's interesting what you're saying about like Purdue and Michigan state. If I had to bet money on where the next recruiting scandal would come from in the big 10, wouldn't it more likely be a place like that for what you were just saying? Cause those are the places that have to, are trying to bridge a gap and you would maybe cut your corners to try to, to, to make that jump. Maybe that would be quite a thing. I'm not talking specifically about those two schools. I'm just saying that a school of that level. Rank the Big Ten football programs one through fourteen, <laughs> and who is most likely to have the next recruiting scandal? Right, right. But 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 it's also like, isn't it? If I'm talking, about, if you're talking about the Big Twelve, I would be more suspicious of uh, Texas Tech than Oklahoma. I would be more suspicious of uh, Washington State than uh, USC. Whatever. Although that's yeah. a bad example because USC's obviously had some issues. So yeah, yeah. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna run into more of this stuff. Okay, this is a this is back to a little bit of a journalism question in my mind. What should be done about cheating in recruiting? And I did have some texters who said they sort of didn't like the framework of the questions, and I couldn't get as much of the nuance in the framework. I hope we're adding the nuance here. 
that I kept using the word like cheating, cheating, cheating. It's like, well, listen, like, well, what are we talking about? Like, is it really cheating morally? What well, I, I get it. There's a lot of good stuff there. And I'm going to read some text or stuff before we get done here. What should be done about cheating and recruiting? The NCAA should do more and should be more transparent, trustworthy, and aggressive to effectively monitor the sport. So I'm putting it on the NCAA. The media should do more and aggressively dig into any whiff of cheating and recruiting. So I'm putting it on the media. Both the NCAA and the media should do more. So let's get everybody all hands on deck to monitor this stuff. It's impossible to effectively police. Things are fine as they are with schools penalized if they happen to get caught. So it's sort of like, you know, just ignore it. And if it falls on your lap, okay, I guess you do something about it. Or the rules should change to let players be paid. So there is no more cheating this way since it would be allowed. So like what your boosters gave somebody money who cares? You're allowed to. So those are the, those are five options. It's put it on the NCAA, put it on the media, put it on them both combined, ignore it or change the rules. So it's no longer against the rules. Nathan, what do you think won in the texture vote? And then what would, what would your answer be? But texture vote first. I think, I think it might be the same answer. Um, I, I think, E probably won the text vote. I think that let's change the rules. Let's let's change the um, landscape and see what that does to in a way that I think a lot of people agree that the landscape needs to be changed. And then let's see how that changes this concept of, of scandal and what's allowed and what's not. I firmly, if I'm answering for myself, I firmly believe C. I firmly believe the NCA needs to be more transparent. I firmly believe that the the media myself included, can do a better job reporting on these things. But I think I want to apply both of those things to a landscape that makes more sense, to a to a found, to a to an NCAA environment that makes more sense. So if there isn't substantial change, and listen, there's some stuff like the name, image, and likeness stuff. There's some stuff in here that is like, well, would it open up some of this? And it's like, hey, name, image, and likeness. Hey, I'm a booster. Hey, player, get on Cameo, and I'll give you a $10,000 to record a birthday greeting to my kid, right? Well, what is that? Is that legal or not legal, right? Right. And it's 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 both fair to point out that like A, because there will be structure and limits and compliance oversight to those sorts of things that that might not get out of control. It's also fair to say because of everything I just said that the boosters will still do an end around and still be giving people money under the table. Right. So, I mean, it's well, I bet, but it is one of those things just because there might be something and, and I don't I don't like it. I just did it. Use the word illegal and legal. It's not illegal. Nobody goes to jail for this. Although guys, those coaches go to jail. <laughs> right. What? Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah. In basketball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they did go to jail. The players aren't going to jail. So like whatever. Right. But it's but not illegal. Think, illegal. I, I do think in this conversation there right now is some sympathy. We saw this with Chase Young. I feel yes. like, and it's it, it's for within the fan bases, but even in Chase Young's case, I thought that it exceeded the Ohio State fan base. The sympathy people felt for him taking the money allegedly for the his girlfriend's plane ticket, whatever. Like, so I, I think people see that as being so silly that he can't get a small loan for a couple hundred dollars, etc. So I think, but I think those sympathies will disappear once you allow. The, the, once the landscape changes. And then I think people will be fine or, or even within a fan base, you might be um, quicker to accept the punishment that come with breaking those rules if, if those sorts of rules are, are changed. 
So this, so with name, image, and likeness, whatever you do, it's like there are rules in, in how you pay people. That's one of those things. Like right. sometimes people who are in favor of like anything should go in college sports, like, well, that's not how it is in pro sports. There's salary caps. There's limits. There's, there's all, I mean, in baseball, it's the only sport where you can do whatever you want to do. But the, even that, there's free agency. I mean, it's like there's no professional sport. And that's where I don't like the college conversation when people are like, everybody should do whatever they want to do. It's like that does, that's not how sports works. There's competitive balance issues. Nobody is immediately a free agent and nobody can make whatever amount of money they want at any point in their career. That's not how it works. So why would college sports like I'm for the professionalization of college sports, but that comes with rules and standards. And it's like, okay, that means you, there are transfer rules. You, you can't just go to every, you can't go to four different schools, four different years. There's, you can make money, but there's a structure. There's a limit. Like that's how it works. It's not a free for all. I would push further on what you said about sympathies to Chase Young. I'm not sure there's very many college fans who hold anything against players anymore. Does anybody, seriously, is there anybody listening to this who if, a, if an amateur high school player going to college or currently on a college roster accepts money, does anybody want those players punished anymore? Johnny Manziel and the autograph thing, he missed a half or whatever. Does anybody want those guys punished? Well, I don't the, feel that push, whether it's your own player or another player. Uh, I think uh, maybe when, when you're a fan of a team and that guy goes to the other team, your rival team playing against you, I, I think there's that. But you, that's want very, that's you want the player punished. You want the player? Now, I'm not talking coach. Yeah, I see, I see the distinction. The I see the distinction you're making. Player, that, that player, if it's found out that player X took $10,000 to go to school X, should that player be, be banned for the whole year? Should he lose his eligibility for the whole year? Is that where people are? Yeah, I don't I, I, think that's where the average college football fan is anymore. Uh, I, I agree with that. However, I will also say that one of the reasons people um, have trouble with the NCAA is that sometimes, whether it's recruiting, whether it's other violations, the punishment ends up coming after the player who was involved has left, and you end up punishing players who aren't weren't involved with the infraction itself. So that's one of the things I think people would like to see changed. And I would like to see that changed. I would be in the business of no more program penalties, no penalties for players. Coaches get fired. If you are an adult and this is your job and you're proven to break a rule, you're done. You're fired. You lose money. You lose, your, you lose salary. And maybe you're banned from, from working in college sports for some period of time. I don't know why there's any program or player penalties in college sports anymore. I have no, I would like to hear the rationale. You're this 18 year old kid and the adult saying, do you want some money? Help your family out. You're an 18 year old kid whose brain is still growing. All this pressure's on you and someone's handing you money and you take the money. Maybe your family needs it. Maybe your family doesn't. They hand you money. If you did anything else, if you, were, if you were just an academic student, if you were a musician, if you were an actor or an actress, you could take the money. You're an athlete. You can't take the money. That's on you, and you should be punished? That's nuts. Who thinks that? I don't know exactly what happened to James Wiseman. James Wiseman couldn't play for Memphis at all. Played three games. That was his college career. Then he went to the NBA. Who did that serve? What did that prove? Who did that help? And whatever he did, who did it hurt? I mean, it's bonkers. So the NCAA can cram it up its cram hole. But the issue here, and this main thing with this is there's the last thing on earth I'm interested in is doing the NCAA's work to punish amateur players. I mean, the NCAA has its head so far up its own butt. 
that's why they're having the whole tournament in Indianapolis because they could only wander around in one city because it's blind because its own head is in its own butt. No interest in that. Now, if you're telling me if something lands in my lap and there's an adult brazenly breaking rules to try to get ahead on his own so he can be, have a better program and win more games and make a better salary. I'm here for that. Now, I don't know how to go search for it. What am I going to do? Just start going around. Hey, is this coach breaking money, breaking rules, breaking rules? But I'm not doing it to the kids. It, it, there's no, you are not serving society by trying to take down a 19-year-old kid who got handed money by a grown-up. So I want to say, as much as I've been outspoken in support of thinking that the, the landscape does need to change and that the way this is set up financially right now is ludicrous, kind of bordering on criminal. Um, and as much as I sympathize with Chase Young, I really had no problem with him getting suspended for two games. He made a decision. Um, he should have known that that was a violation. It was public. It was well stated. And I think there was a better way for him to have handled it as well that didn't result in the violation that resulted in two game suspension. I really didn't have a problem with that. And I thought that was kind of an appropriate punishment. Do you disagree? Pretty hurt. Now, cause here's the thing. And I have moved off this as well. I mean, I was there with Trestle. It's like, listen, do you think it's a stupid rule? Whatever's like this the rule. I don't know. Like you said, it's like, well, if the rule says you go, it's yet to go 55 on this road, you think it should be 65. If you get pulled over going 68, you can't tell the cop. Ah, I think it should be 65 here. And it's not, it's posted. I'm less there. So now, like, I, I understand that that, well, just because I don't like the rule, but like, how do I, how do I say this? Am I going to get fired? If somebody handed me, hey, whether the kid plays for Ohio State or not, hey, this kid broke a rule. It's going to get him suspended. Here's the information. Write the story. I might need it. Why am I writing that? Who am I helping? I'm hurting the kid. I know that. And I'm hurting his team. I'm not particularly, and I don't care about the coach, but. I'm hurting the other 85 players on that team who are losing their player. What am I doing? Who am I helping? Am I, am I sending a message? Am I making society better because somebody took money for a plane ticket for their girlfriend? Right? So, like, that's where I am. That's what I can control. I wouldn't write it. I, maybe my boss would be mad at me. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Well, I'm not the- in the business of doing the NCAA's bidding on crappy rules. And I think it's an important distinction here that I think that kind of thing may actually happen a lot. That's what we were talking about before, where you hear rumors, you hear things in the background of so-and-so, such-and-such happened. Why did the Chase Young thing come out? Because Ohio State self-reported a violation. And he got suspended. Correct. The highest profile player on the team at the time got suspended in the middle of a season. And it, so, cost, him, it cost him what, in that moment, he wasn't going to beat Joe Burrow. In that moment, it killed his Heisman campaign. And he still got to New York. It had an effect on him. His sack record would be much further out there than it is right now. It had an effect on Chase Young. So, like, you don't have a problem with the punishment. I don't know what was served by the punishment. Punishment. I don't know what, what greater good was served by him being suspended and by that rule existing, whatever. What's the greater good? But I can point to the harm. Yeah, I, I totally see that viewpoint. And I, I guess my, it, it's difficult, right? Because on one hand, you want to say, that if you, if you just change the landscape, then those problems go away. But how much longer, like the progress here has been so glacial. Like we're just 
just trudging along so slowly towards what seems like a common sense solution. Now, maybe it's going to come up here pretty quickly. It sounds like we're getting towards a resolution here. So by this time next year, we may be in a completely different situation. But I understand. I do understand. I sympathize with why people kind of jump the line a little bit and still still have those situations. All right. So you said that you would say the NCAA and the media should both do better. But you also said you were you got the idea of change the rules and you thought that's what the vote would be. That was the vote. The rules should change to let players be paid. So there's no more cheating since it would be allowed. That's thirty nine percent. And then your answer of both the NCAA and the media should do more. That was second. Twenty seven percent. Putting it only on the NCAA. Sixteen percent. Ignore it. What are you going to do? 15% and putting it only on the media, 3%. So it's interesting. That's pretty split because like there's, you know, there's change the rules. So it's not cheating anymore. There's ignore it. There's, well, somebody should do something about it. And there's like versions of that's all in there. There's no consensus there. I didn't think, which is goes to how muddled this can be. So now we're getting to the Buckeyes a little bit. We got to get into this based on your perception. How would you imagine Ohio state behaves in recruiting? Ohio State does it the right way. Other schools cheat. Ohio State might break some rules, but SEC schools break them more often and more seriously. Ohio State likely breaks as many rules as other successful schools like Alabama and Georgia or the get-out-of-jail-free card. Please just let me enjoy being a fan and don't make me think about this. And I wasn't putting that in there facetiously because that's my you're allowed to put on blinders because like even writing this question out puts a knot in my stomach because it's complicated like it's not that i feel bad for anybody it's just like a complicated moral question that affects how you perceive something that's very important in your life it's important to the lives of these people listening to this because you love ohio state it's important in our lives nathan because this is what we do for a living it's our job and we're not invested like with our heart of whether emotionally, but we're invested in like the truth. And it bothers me that I don't know the truth and I know I'm never going to know it. And I don't know how to go about knowing it. So it gives me a knot in my stomach. So I kind of want to answer, just let me live. Right. What do you think the actual answer was that won the most? Like Ohio state's clean. Everybody else is bad. Ohio state does it a little, but other schools do it worse or Ohio state's just like everybody else. That's a high level program. Which one do you think won? I the closest answer to what I feel would be B because it's just hard to believe that nothing has ever happened. Well, we know it has. Like if you if you're an Ohio State fan and you think this could never happen here, you have a very short term memory. So you're right? saying your B. You always say like A, B, and C. The B is a little, but not as bad. That's what you're saying is your answer. A, a little, but but also it, it, it that also encapsulates you know accidental rule violations. Um, you know. I found it hard to find one that I, cause I don't think if you go all the way to the next one, which is like, I don't believe that Ohio state is dirty and I don't believe it never happens. So there's gotta be another answer. That's the closest one to what I would say. So that's what won 55% Ohio state might break some rules, but SC schools break them more often and more seriously. That's kind of, I think that's what everybody would think was be the overwhelming one. 55%. Let me live 19%. Just, I don't want to, I don't want to think about it. Ohio State breaks as many rules as any other winning program. Just like Georgia and Alabama, if they break a ton, Ohio State probably breaks a ton because guess what? Ohio State recruits at the same level. What are they doing, magic? 
right? 15%, 15%. And then 11%, Ohio State does it right. Everybody else cheats. So again, the extremes of Ohio State's just like everybody else was slightly ahead of Ohio State is absolutely not like everybody else, right? Which again are the two extremes. I am fast, fascinated by the we do it right, they do it wrong line of thinking, right? Because how does Ohio State get the number two class in the country with we do it right, they do it wrong, except I think there's maybe something to that, right, Nathan? I don't think that that needs to be like entirely dismissed, and we'll get into that more next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so we want to keep delving in on Ohio State. This was another big picture question, though, Nathan. How does the idea of cheating in recruiting affect college football? First, it's a huge problem. Schools that cheat get better players, and it shifts the balance of power. Like, it just fundamentally makes it unfair, and there's like an on-field effect every Saturday because of this stupid stuff. It's a minor edge for cheaters, but there are other things that also make a program win. So it's not like the biggest cheaters are the biggest winners and it's a direct correlation. You can still maybe not cheat or not cheat as much and still be at a high level, right? Or it's not an issue. Everyone handles their business. It's the way things are, whatever. It is what it is, right? What are you going to do? Which do you think one, Nathan, which would you pick? I, again, I guess C is like the closest one. I think I guess C would win. I think not an issue. Not an issue. No, that was last. Really? 60%, it's a minor edge, but there are also other ways to win. 28%, it's a huge problem. Hmm. Only 11%, it is what it is. What are you going to do? So that's, I mean, like, so again, in terms of like, do you feel like a chump, this percolating? 88% of the people were on the side of something other than it is what it is, right? Which hurts my heart that people care about this this much. And there's 28% of you saying, like, it fundamentally affects who wins. And even 60% saying, well, yeah, it has some effect. That's hard, man. That's what this, that's why this discussion is hard to me. That 88% of our diehard listeners, you are the people who love Ohio State the most. And I don't want you to not love it. I don't want you to not love college football. There's so much to love about college football. It's different than so many other sports. There's a certain thing about it, right? Whether you went to Ohio State, whether you grew up in Ohio, whether you grew up somewhere else and went to another college, whether you didn't go to college, whether you had a family connection, whether you just liked the colors on TV, whatever it was, you do a lot. Everybody acknowledges that, right? The pageantry, the connection. There's a different level of connection. And if 88% of the people have a little something in the back of their head that they're trying to keep at the back, right, Nathan? I wish it wasn't that way. I wish you could free everybody up because that's not what NBA fans think. NBA fans do not watch Giannis and Luca and LeBron and think, oh man, their team cheated to get them. That's not what they think. They don't have to think that way. So that bothers me, Nathan. And that's, that's why we're having this discussion. I, I think it's interesting though. I, I'd be curious, the follow-up question to all those people that 88% that voted that way is, but how much does it actually affect your enjoyment of the sport? You know what I'm saying? Or True. do you, or do you, I mean, it's like, it's a thing that you have just assumed is out there. I think of it like boxing fans, right? Like, I feel like the, the, all these, there are people who like love boxing, like are just like diehard, super invested boxing fans. And I think they know that that sport is 
problematic for that. There's all sorts of shady stuff going on in the back rooms of that sport, but I don't think they let that. I think they just have sort of like baked it into what the sport is and they just go about enjoying the actual competitions that happen. Yeah. But boxing is like 5% as popular as it used to be. And you know yeah, why? Right. Because it got superseded by a sport where they just said it is fake. Yeah. And it's just professional wrestling. It's like, we're not going to, okay. Boxing. It's like, well, who took a dive? Well, someone took a dive. I don't know which guy took a dive, but we know sometimes guys take dives. In professional wrestling, everybody takes a dive. So you don't have to wonder. It's all fake, right? And guess what? Show me, show me boxing popularity on a regular basis compared to WWE. I mean, it's not even close, right? So you can't pretend that there's not an effect. And, and if you had, I don't know, if you had the, an, alternate, an alternate amateur football league where it was like, hey, we have boosters. They can do whatever they want. That's how they get the players. You don't have to worry about it, but you can still root for your team. And that existed. Would that take away from college football? Because you wouldn't have to wonder anymore and just be out front. I don't know. It's kind of a clunky comparison, but all right. This gets down to my school is great. Everybody else cheats. How would you describe your feelings about your school when it comes to breaking rules and recruiting? And I didn't say Ohio state here. I just said, it's like your school theoretically, like my my guys that I love. It takes cheating to win national titles. If it does, then my school should do whatever it takes to win. Listen, man, I'm living in the real world. I know it's out there. We got to win. That's an option. My school can cut some corners to compete, but it shouldn't outright pay players. And if that means fewer titles, so be it. So like, listen, I, we got to compete, but like, I don't want to go all the way. I don't want it to completely sell my soul, right? And I will accept some degree less winning for not having to sell my soul. And then there's the other one. Do it the right way. Don't cheat at all and just win as much as you can with a clear conscience. That like, I don't like doing it the right way, whatever that means matters more. And I would rather go eight and four doing it the right way than cheating to win a title. Okay. Which do you think won, Nathan? I, I mean, I would hope that do it the right way wins. I'm going to, I'm going to say do it the right way. One almost one 43% said the middle one, my school can cut some corners to compete, but shouldn't outright pay players. And if that means fewer titles, so be it 43% for that 41% do it the right way. Win as much as you can with a clear conscience, only 16% do whatever it takes. So that is again, the middle one, but the extremes was 41% to 16%. But I don't know if that actually is a reflection. I don't know if that's a true reflection of the Ohio State fan base, because guess what? You win. While you're winning, it's easy to say, oh, I'd rather do it the right way. And if we won eight and four every year, I'd be fine with that. Give me five straight years of eight and four at a place like Ohio State, and let's see what the answers are to this, right? That I don't, because what this, I think what is reflected in this answer is the belief of some people that Ohio State is competing at the highest level while doing it the right way. And it gets to the heart of the matter of, is that possible, right? That, which is what we're going to end this conversation with. Like, is that possible? And then the last question was chump. So that is the last actual question we haven't covered. That's the question, Nathan. Ohio State absolutely competes with Alabama and Georgia in recruiting and on the field. This discussion was spurred by someone making allegations against Alabama and Georgia. So are we to believe that Ohio State does compete 
with those schools in recruiting and on the field while not breaking rules anywhere near to what people often allege that those SEC powers do. Is that a realistic viewpoint that Ohio State, and again, why it's such an interesting lens, is the one school, right? And maybe to your point, Clemson, maybe Clemson is more like Ohio State here, right? If you're saying that, that maybe this is an SEC specific kind of thing, that they're just in another world, man. And credit to anybody, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, anybody who can hang with the SEC while they do that and you don't, more that, that's great. Is that, is that an honest potential? We don't know the answer here, Nathan. This is a question. This is a podcast about perception. I don't want anyone to leave this saying we think Ohio State does this or doesn't do this. We don't know. We cover the team to the best of our ability. This is not fueled. This discussion is not fueled by me hearing some secret kind of stuff. It's like, oh, I want to talk about it without saying anything. I don't hear this stuff. But I will say, Nathan, before I let you answer, I'm writing a whole book about recruiting stories. And the chump factor, I'm, I'm writing 16 or 17 different stories of how people picked Ohio State. There's, I've talked to great people. I've talked to great Ohio State players. I've talked to their parents. I've talked to their high school coaches. They are great people. I don't, nobody said I came because Ohio State gave me money, right? Of course. I have no inkling, right? There is not even 1% of any conversation I've had of people recruited over the last 50 years. There's not one inkling that's going to be in the book, right? And there's a part of me that I wonder if I'm a chump because is the secret story here? Oh, Somebody came to campus and fell in love with the campus. Oh, they love this coach. Is the answer really like, oh, they paid me the most, right? Like, I don't have that in the front of my head while I'm writing this, but I can't shake some percent thinking that, that am I writing, am I writing a book about the one place? Now, listen, there's an Alabama book in this series that came out in the fall. I don't know the Alabama guy who wrote it. I've read part of it. I've re- I haven't read the whole thing. But it's like all of us who are writing about recruiting and these wonderful, and Stephen does it now all the time. Why'd you pick Ohio State? Oh, dream school is this. Are you a chump? Are you a chump or not? So I don't know. But that idea, Nathan, that is it possible that Ohio State can compete at the highest level while doing it much cleaner than the people they're competing with? That's the question in the end. Do you believe that's possible? It's funny you mentioned the the chump thing because – if I was answering for myself, not as a fan, but just a journalist, I also would have picked kind of. It was like, it, it, apply this to my previous job, like a, a program that I was just talking about as people thinking about as, as a clean program. Like I leave there thinking there was probably something I didn't know. Maybe it wasn't like a recruiting bought a kid kind of thing. There's some, I mean, you always worry about what you don't know. So I guess that would be my answer to this question too, is, you know, I, I'm not assuming anything. As a journalist, I don't think I can. I think I have to remain diligent. And the more diligent that, and it's why a place like Ohio State or whoever should welcome scrutiny from us, scrutiny from the NCA, from whoever. The only way to truly prove that you're doing it on the up and up is to let those people in and um, be open and transparent about what's going on. So here's what I think. And, and uh, there's a part of me that wants to research this a little bit. And a part of me that doesn't, because I don't know if I have time. 
and, and tell me, please stop me if this sounds wrong. And I don't want this to come off the wrong way. I think the, I think there's a certain group of players who are most, most vulnerable to this, the idea of picking a school because maybe they paid you. Right. And it's, if somebody who is a very talented player, who's in a tough economic situation right now, right. If you are thinking long-term and you're thinking like my money is not about a McDonald's paper bag. My money is about go to the place. that's going to get me ready for the NFL the best way. That's the real money. So I don't care. I don't want a school that gives me McDonald's paper bags. I want a school that's going to make me a millionaire, right? I think that's real. If you are not so desperate in the moment that like that's money in a McDonald's paper bag could help your family right now. Like that's real. Who am I to say to an 18 year old kid that you shouldn't do that? That's why I don't want to put it on the kids. I do think Ohio state makes a very good case along those lines right now. Right? So you can make an economic decision that is about long-term, not short-term. And it's not about getting paid now. It's about getting paid later. And Ohio state can help you do that. Paid in the NFL. Second thing is, there's a lot of kids who it doesn't matter. Your family's fine. You don't need it. I'm not, I'm not interested in, in whatever, even thousands. I don't need it. My, my parents have good jobs. I'm okay. That's just not where my head's at. I'm picking where I want to go for every other reason. The money is not a thing. Okay. There's some kids that are clearly like that. Doesn't mean you're not even rich, but you're just fine, right? That It's not about that. And then there are kids who might be in tough economic straits, but just aren't good enough for teams to really want to pay for, right? That it's like, well, okay. I mean, you're the 411th player in the country. I, I, mean, I don't know how much those guys, right? I mean, whatever. There's a million guys like you. We're not giving you anything, right? I think, and I have maybe heard things at times, I think Ohio State does back off some guys sometimes or they you know it's not even like hey they were recruiting kid then they stopped recruiting they just don't get involved sometimes i think with some kids if they sniff something if they can tell okay we think this recruitment might be going a certain direction we'll just not get involved right we'll go with somebody else and this is the thing that i, I don't know if this is fair nathan and i don't i try to be honest with you guys this is i was thinking about this this morning I'm trying to think of Ohio State players in the last couple of years. I'm not sure how many players they have recruited from truly dire economic circumstances. And I don't, uh, that's anecdotal in the way I'm thinking about it. But if you are, if you are a place that is proving that you can send guys to the NFL, so there is economic incentive for players to choose you anyway. It's just not immediate in a paper bag. It's long-term. They have that. And if you are going after a higher percentage of kids who just aren't thinking that way because they are fortunate to not be forced to be thinking that way. That, that decreases the opportunity or the need to do it, right? I do think Ohio State right now might be in a pretty sweet spot of that. And the thing that we talk about a lot, they don't dance with kids in the 300s or 200s very much. Some of those, so it's like they're taking a lot of elite kids who might be in good economic circumstances. And then every now and then, if they take some real risks on guys, it's like, well, nobody's paying them anyway. Like, what are you talking about? I think they might be taking the kind of players in their recruiting classes, not by coincidence, by plan, who don't dance on this dance floor. And I think that might be fair to say 
but I don't know if I'm being, am I, is there something unfair? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like Ohio state's not recruiting poor kids. Cause that's not right either. If you're right. a kid, if you're a kid who needs money right now, your parents can't make their house payment. And some other school that would not be as good for you as Ohio state is offering you money but you need it right now, man. It breaks my heart that that kid wouldn't even get to consider Ohio state or a, any school that is not in that business when it might be the best thing for him. But that player is forced by realities to cheat. Right. And again, it's not the kid cheating. It's someone else cheating by giving the kid money. That breaks my heart. I want those kids to be Buckeyes if they want to be Buckeyes, just like I want them to go to Clemson if they want to go to Clemson. I want them to go to the best school. I don't want them to feel forced to choose the school that's going to pay them. But I'm sure that's happening, right, Nathan? But I don't know what Ohio State's supposed to do about that, right? Because you think, well, no, we don't want you paying them, right? Do you think that that could be something that is actually explaining what's happening here? To some extent, yes. And I to go back to something you kind of started on with, with that com- that conversation, because um, I've heard that from other college coaches, too, that when you're making your first contacts with you find out who is actually making the decision behind a recruit. Is it a parent? Is it a uh, in, the, in the case of basketball, it'd be like an AU coach? Sometimes it's another family member. You get that person on the phone. You start feeling them out. And a lot of times it'll come up. Well, it's going to take more than a scholarship to get my kid. And then, then that's when you're like, well, uh, then we're just not going to get involved. You make that. That's where you make the decision, I think, as a program, whether or not you're going to even keep pursuing that player. So I do think that sort of thing. I know that sort of thing happens. I've talked to college coaches about that. But I, I also I see what you're saying, too, that I feel like in every recruiting class. And I don't care what school you're talking about, because I think this implies to the SEC schools as well that there's probably a limited number of players in any given recruiting class that this really would apply to. And that also makes it tougher for the, the evidence and the proof to be out there in a, in a tangible way, because you're, you're really trying to like really thread a needle sometimes on, on finding where these violations occurred. And here's the thing in the end, I don't know if anything we just said is actually true, which is the frustrating part of it. Yep. So, so I, I mean, again, I don't know that there's any, coaches or people involved in college sports who like just listen to this whole thing and are like, dude, they have no idea what they're talking about. We're not going to pretend we've never worked for a college football program. We've never worked for a college basketball program. We don't know all the ins and outs of it. We know some, we know more than the average fan because we talk to people at times. I do not have a great insider read on this stuff, but we're trying to deal with perception and how Ohio state fans think of it. So I think my conclusion in the end is I don't like, Everybody else cheats, but we don't. I don't like that. But I do think if you're an Ohio State fan and you think, well, I mean, come on, man. We're not doing that. I think there's probably something to that, right? I don't think that Ohio State fans should have to walk around just automatically assuming, all right, whatever. These schools did it. But I also think, Nathan, a lot of it, like the old Miss example, right? I do think that level of program is where it maybe happened more. Like even the Saban stuff, I'm, I don't know about because there's a part of me that's like, well, Saban's the ultimate. It's on cruise control. Kids are going crazy to go to Bama. You don't have to pay a kid to go to Bama. It's a privilege to go to Bama. He's got, he can pick whoever he wants. So pick whoever he wants, but like the next tier down, right? The next tier down, anybody who's not Bama and the SEC who's like, man, I'm trying to compete with Nick Saban. 
this is the only chance I got is money in a McDonald's bag, man. What are you talking about? How am I ever going to beat them for anybody if it's even? Because it's not even. Everything about Bama is better. So that, I think, could be true. Well, then there's a whole other level of this conversation that's like um, a player gets money from a booster because it's just known in that town. And the, the word gets around amongst the players like, hey, just go talk to that guy and he'll slip you 100 bucks. That doesn't mean your head coach knows anything about that. Now, I'm not trying to give them too much. I think that's a little bit naive. I think they should know what's going on in their program. I think that word would probably get to the coaching staff eventually. But I think that sort of thing happens too sometimes, where it's just a guy on the side giving out money to players, and it doesn't happen with the explicit or implicit uh, approval of the the coaching staff. And that can happen too. It's like it's not that you're doing things that get the kids to go there, right? That's not why they picked a school. But once you're there, there's a little perk to being – to being at this school. And honestly, and I think guys like we're public about this guys, I think even put this on social media. I think there was some inclination of like what happened with tattoo gate was like that. That was maybe a thing a little bit. The guys kind of knew that, but that wasn't, you know, like there was a little bit of a hookup there that kind of just existed. It was like, ah, oh, if you go hang out over there, you might, something might happen. You know what I mean? Like that it was just whatever. It's not the end of the world. Again, like I think, I think in retrospect, that was overcovered, and should like Terrell Pryor's college football career have ended because of that? Because of a couple hundred bucks for memorabilia and that kind of thing. No, no, I, I don't think it should have. And I contributed to it and, and I would not do it that way. Now, this is the thing again, it's like, do I apologize for what I did back then? I don't know that I apologize, but my viewpoint has evolved and I would not approach a similar situation the same way as a journalist today. But I also think that probably Ohio State, as a result of things like that, is a little hypervigilant about that stuff. And if there ever was a time where like stuff maybe happened, once you have a couple things, I think you don't turn a blind eye anymore, right? That like you are out looking for stuff. And because you know what happens when you're out looking for stuff? You find Chase Young, who did like the most whatever minor thing, and they turned in their best player and, and for a two-game suspension, because I do think they're trying to be hypervigilant because they've got some stuff in their recent past that if they're not, they think maybe it would come back and bite them again, right? So I don't know. I, I don't want to be a homer. And it's like, but I, and I, but I bet almost every journalist that covers college football, there's some part of you as a journalist that you can't help, but it's like, well, I bet you it goes on more somewhere else, but I don't think it's that bad here. Right. I mean, like we pride ourselves on not being homers, but I think some of that exists just because, you know, the people around you. Right. And they're not telling you all the secrets. Maybe there are no secrets, but they're probably not telling you if there are. So I think Ohio State's in a pretty good spot. In conclusion, Nathan, I do think I did not want to do this podcast. I'm not out to besmirch Ohio State's name. We're trying to have an honest discussion about fan perception. But when it pops up, everyone's talking about Bama, Georgia, what's true, what's not. I think it was fair for us to talk about it in context of the team we cover. We'll let you, we'll end on this. Nathan, your perception of generally how you think Ohio State handles this kind of stuff. My perception is it, it goes along with what you were saying before, that I, we don't really see a lot of evidence that they're even getting the kind of players that you would have to make that sort of arrangement to get. So – 
but again, I, again, I feel like just as a journalist, all it takes is one. Um, and it's something that we have to just continue to be diligent about the only way. And that's what the fans should invite that fans should want us looking into it and being suspicious because if the, the more we are, and the more nothing gets uncovered, the, the, the better you should feel about your program. Or just ignore it as a fan. Or just and ignore just, it. Just have fun on Saturday, which is a great way to go about it. All right. I don't know. That was a little different, right? That's not how we normally do it, but I've liked mixing it up. I thought we, we need to have a balance of like hardcore team analysis, which we've done with some of the questions going into spring football. And, um, you know, five defensive guys, five offensive guys raised their game. I thought we did, recently did some good hardcore about the team stuff. And then I think we're doing some good theoretical stuff right now. So I thought I enjoyed the uh, Buckeye fly effect. And, you know, we don't want to do a podcast like this every week, but we haven't done a podcast like this in a while, Nathan. So I, I just thought it was sort of interesting to have a little almost like a panel discussion about modern college football and that crazy coaching crazy high school coach in uh, Georgia gave us an opportunity to do it. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening. Texters. Thanks for it. We got, again, we got texter messages that helped prod us this way a little bit because we had enough interest for the texters that we thought it was worth addressing. So if you want to prod us, if you want to prod us, Buckeye talk 614-350-3315 read cleveland.com slash OSU drop the reviews at Apple podcast. Don't forget. Steven means is leaving Thursday morning early to cover that uh, Thursday afternoon. Ohio State basketball game in the Big Ten tournament. He will be there as long as the Buckeyes are there. Read cleveland.com slash OSU for all that basketball coverage. And we'll continue to drop in basketball at the end of podcasts here and there where needed. And tomorrow, Nathan, Buckeye Future Fridays, you and Steven have already recorded it. Give a little tease there. Yeah, it's kind of a twofold thing. We talked a little bit about the concept of the, the, the five-star in-state guy and why that's been so important to Ohio State these last couple classes and, and where it's going in the future. But also the, the first uh, chunk of the podcast, we delved into the series that Stephen has running on the site, which is the, the recruiting battles. People might remember we did those last year. He and I, he's doing them this year where you, you take you know a, a prospect that Ohio State's trying to get still for this 2022 class and kind of break down what's happening with that recruitment. And we just delved into several of those and what it tells us about what's still coming with that class and, and, and what it means for sometimes a, a guy who is still considered a, a target, but what level of a target are they and, and how serious is Ohio state about them? We dealt, we went into a lot of questions. I think that's going to be a recurring thing every week on BFF. All right. That's coming Friday, and then we'll have another podcast uh, on Saturday talking about the Buckeyes against spring football right around the corner. We appreciate you joining us. On behalf of Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>